Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. We continue in the book of Genesis, chapter 44, starting at verse 14. Sacrifice yourself to save someone in danger. Sacrifice your life to spare others. This is the story of Joseph, as Judah will sacrifice his freedom in order to free his brother Benjamin. Each of the brothers fell to his knees. Show him some mercy, O mighty one, please. He would not do this. He must have been framed. Jail us and beat us. We should be blamed. If you remember the story of Joseph, Joseph is in disguise as Lord of Egypt. He has framed his younger brother Benjamin by having his expensive royal spiritual silver cup placed in his sack as they catch the guys going back home, the brothers going back home, they swear, no, we would never do such a thing. You know, let the one who would steal this become, you know, your slave or kill him or whatever. And as they go through the sacks, finally they come to the youngest one's sack, Benjamin, and they find the silver cup. And they all come back to face the music. They all come back to stand before the Lord of Egypt, who is secretly Joseph. This is where our story continues. Don't enslave Benjamin. Genesis 44, 14. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there, and they fell to the ground before him. Judah is the leader of the family now. He's the representative. He's the spokesman. Even though he's not the oldest brother, the firstborn was Reuben, but he lost his position. The second was Simeon, and through their treachery and their mess-ups and not protecting Joseph, now Judah is in charge. And you'll see Judah is prominent. Judah represents the family. Judah is running the show. And as they stand before the Lord of Egypt, they fall on their faces. They bow before Joseph, just like the dreams. They're bowing again, again, and again. Do you see it? And they said they'd never bow. But God's dreams do come true. 15. Joseph said to them, What is this deed that you have done? Do you know that such a man as I can indeed practice divination? It's part of the disguise, it's the trappings of the Egyptians and their spirituality and their magics and, and Joseph's, you know, royal magical cup. He's playing the game, the charade, he's hiding himself and he's playing a part, if you will. Don't you know I have the power of Egypt? 
I can find out what you did. I can track you down and make you pay. Verse 16. So Judah said, What can we say to my Lord? What can we speak? And how can we justify ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's slaves, both we and the one in whose possession the cup has been found. Again, Judah speaks for the family. He confesses. He admits. God has found us out. This can only be an act of God. Well, yes, but Joseph had plotted the whole thing. Joseph had framed Benjamin and had the cup put in his sack. But yes, I think God is the puppet master. He's overseen the whole thing, and it's part of his plan to make them pay, to make them pay for what they did to Joseph, beating him up, throwing him in the well, selling him as a human slave. Someone must pay. It is also part of God's plan to bring all the family back together and make Joseph's secret dream come true, the dream and the longing for his brothers, for his full brother Benjamin, and for his father Jacob, and for all the family to be reunited again. Judah accepts the blame for himself and for all the family and says we should all be enslaved. God uncovers our guilt. Have you ever been busted? Have you had to make it right? Face the person that you hurt? It's time to come clean. You must admit, confess, repent of your past. Your sins will find you out. Verse 17. But he said, Far be it from me to do this. The man in whose possession the cup has been found, he shall be my slave. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. The Lord of Egypt says, This isn't right. I can't punish the entire family. I'll just punish Benjamin. All of you can go back happily to your family with all the food. I'm not going to hold this sin against you. All I want to do is enslave your little brother, Benjamin. Do you see it's a test? Joseph is testing his brothers, the final test, to see what they will do to Benjamin. They could just skip all the way home laughing and, we got rid of Benjamin, daddy's favorite. You know, daddy always keeps him at home and treats him like Joseph and gives him special clothes and favor. And with Benjamin knocked out, now we get the inheritance. We'll get more. We got rid of Joseph, and now we'll get rid of Benjamin. But can I tell you that they're not the same men they were before. They've grown up. They've matured. They've let go of the jealousy and the rage and trying to get revenge like they did to Joseph. They're not going to do the same thing to Benjamin. You see, they've changed, and they have passed the test. Have you? Have you changed 
Have you let go of the past? Tell your family story. Verse 18. Then Judah approached him and said, Oh, my Lord, may your servant please speak a word in my Lord's ears, and do not be angry with your servant, for you are equal to Pharaoh. A compliment, trying to find favor, a bridge, a way in. Verse 19, my Lord, ask his servants, saying, have you a father or a brother? We said to my Lord, we have an old father and a little child of his old age. Yes, our fathers lived a long time. Jacob, name changed to Israel, had 12 sons, the 12 tribes, but he had children late in life and his little baby boy, his favorite, Benjamin. Now his brother is dead. He did have a favorite, Joseph, who died. It's a family secret. It's a scandal. It's skeletons in the closet because we sold him as a human slave. Maybe you have a deep, dark secret, a family secret, and everybody knows it, and they keep it. You know, you know close your lips, zip it up. Tell no one the family secret. So he alone is left of his mother, and his father loves him. You see, we have uh, four mothers. <laughs> Our father's a polygamist. He had uh, four wives. But his true love was Rachel, his favorite one, the one he really wanted to marry, his first, but he was tricked. You know the story how uh, Leah was switched during the wedding, and Rachel couldn't have kids at first, and finally God blessed her, and she had these two sons, Joseph, daddy's favorite, Benjamin, daddy's new favorite, because Joseph is supposedly dead. Keep the secret going. Spread the lie. Verse 21. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. But we said to my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. Oh, his father guards him. His father's whole life is in to Benjamin. He must protect him. He's paranoid. He's so worried because his favorite died before, and he can't let that happen to his next favorite, Benjamin. He watches him like a hawk. He guards him. He will not let him go. 23. You said to your servants, however, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. Thus it came about, when we went down to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord, 25. Our father said, go back, buy us a little food. But we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother is with us, then we will go down, for we cannot see the man's face 
unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. This is Rachel. She bore these two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. But do you know what happened to Rachel? During the birth of the second one, she died in birth. So ironic that his true love, his, his soulmate, his sweetheart, would die giving birth to the baby boy, Benjamin, that is now his only love. How ironic that one would cause the other to die. 28, and the one went out from me, and I said, surely he is torn in pieces, and I have not seen him since. Joseph, my favorite, I gave him the coat of many colors. Oh, he loved that coat. He paraded it kind of like a peacock, you know, all the gorgeous colors. But he went to, you know, work with his brothers, and he never came back, and there was blood on the coat, and a wild animal must have torn him to pieces. Yeah, so the lie goes. They fooled their father. They seemed to fool the family. But you cannot fool God. 29. If you take this one also from me, and harm befalls him, you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. Dad said, I'll never let him go. I will never let go of Benjamin. He is my whole life. And if I should let you take him and he dies too, you will drive me to the grave. It will kill me. We all have a story. We all have a family. Maybe distant, maybe broken, but you wouldn't be here without a father and a mother. I have a family. I have a family story. We all have a story. But for the Christian, our story is also a testimony. Uh, I came from Chicago, born in Berwyn, Illinois. My father was murdered. My mother remarried. My parents divorced. Uh, we had one mother, three fathers. I'm a middle child. I have an older brother, a younger sister. We are half brother and sister. But growing up as little kids, you don't ever think like that. But when you get older, you start to realize. And so it is with Jacob's family. They realize who's the favorite, who's from what mother. Who's from what father? Who's from, who's full? Who's half? Who's step? Who's adopted? We each have a story. Uh, came from a broken home, child of divorce, and the classic dysfunctional home. Fighting, battling, screaming, but God. But God came into my life, and God came into our family, and one by one, every member of my family got saved. And God made a change, and God intervened, and God brought peace and love and joy in my life. 
grace and mercy and forgiveness to me and for others. Have you been there? We all have a story to tell. Sometimes your story is to be saved for somebody who can appreciate it, someone who can identify with it. And as you tell your story, God will prompt you, he will show you, and there'll be someone that might say, well, that's me. I'm a child of divorce. I came from a broken mess. I, I came from that background and those vices and that, that history. That's me. And they identify and they connect with our story. And as a Christian, as we share our story and unfold our life to others, it can minister, it can bring them to Christ, and it can cause them to get saved. So your story is for a reason. It's for purpose. It's so you will tell it. And if you're a Christian, Jesus should be in your story. Take Benjamin's place. Don't let him be a slave. Don't let him be captured and taken away by this Lord of Egypt. It will kill daddy. Someone must take his place. Verse 30. Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life. Do you see his whole life revolves around Benjamin? If you take the baby boy away from daddy, it will kill him. It will drive him to his grave. It's all he has. It's all he lives for. He discards all the other siblings, all the other brothers and sister, and all he focuses is on Benjamin. And if I lose Benjamin, I lose it all. He's fixated. He's obsessed. He's put everything he has into his baby boy, Benjamin. All your eggs in one basket. It seems out of balance. What about the other family members? What about the other loves, the friends, the people God has put your life and you're fixated on one? Man, for the Christian, the fixation on one should only be the Lord Jesus Christ. He should be number one above every love, above every person. I think Abraham had to learn that, yes? His son Isaac take now your son, your only son, and sacrifice him to me. And Abraham did. And he lifted the knife. And you know the story. The angel of the Lord, Abraham, Abraham, don't hurt the lad. It was just a test to see if I'm number one, if God's number one in your life. And if we put God first, he will bless all your relationships. If you seek the kingdom first, he'll put everything in order. But sometimes we idolize a person above God. Verse 31. When he sees that the lad is not with us, he will die. Thus your servants will bring the gray hair of your servant, our father, down to Sheol in sorrow. You can't capture the little boy. 
you can't do this to us. You can't do this to our father when we come home and he, he's going to look, the very first person he's going to search for is Benjamin, and when he doesn't see Benjamin, he'll have a heart attack. You will put him into despair and depression and he'll give up on life and he will die. Please, don't do this. 32. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then let me bear the blame before my father forever. I swore to him. I gave him my pledge, my personal guarantee that I will protect the little boy with my life. He must come back. And I told my father, if I don't bring him back, then blame me, punish me. I will suffer forever for the rest of my life. Joseph is hearing this story. He's the Lord of Egypt. He's in disguise. He's talking through an Egyptian interpreter. And he sees that Judah has passed the test that Judah loves Benjamin, that Judah has promised and pledged his own life, that Judah will protect Benjamin with all he's got. Now, before he didn't do that to Joseph, right? Before Judah sold Joseph along with all the brothers, right? But now Judah has changed. Judah's the leader. Judah's the key. Judah is the protector. 33. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad, a slave to my Lord. And let the lad go up with his brothers. I will take his place. I will be the slave. Please let him escape and go back to dad. And I will be the slave. Don't hold Benjamin. I will trade my life for his. If you've ever seen the movie, read the book, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You know of little the little boy, Edmund, and he encounters the witch who's the devil. And she says she's the queen of Narnia, you know, oh no, she's an imposter. But she has her little treats, and her one drug of choice is called Turkish Delight. And when you eat her treats, her little morsels and sweeties they are the devil's drugs and they addict you and you have craving and you have a meltdown and you must come back for more and so she hooks the little boy Edmund on her drugs her alcohol her vices her sins knowing that he will betray his brothers and sisters and she says to him, don't come back 
without them. You don't see my face. You don't come to my palace. I'm not giving you more drugs, more Turkish delight, unless you bring your siblings with you. You must betray them so that she can capture them and kill them. And if you've read the book, seen the movie, you see he's doing his best. It's a horrible sin to betray your own family, your own brothers and sisters. But Aslan, the lion from the tribe of Judah, here is Judah. He's the spokesman. He's the leader. Through Judah, Jesus comes, right? Through Israel and then through the tribe of Judah, eventually we get the Messiah, Jesus. And so Aslan says, I will take the place of Edmund. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.